You in the game. So we're back with So You Think You Know Sports. We give you weekly updates on things you want to know, like off-the-court stories, game highlights, and all-around current sports knowledge, mostly mostly highlighting NFL, NBA, and sometimes college. Today, we will discuss our picks for the AFC divisions in the NFL, the NBA playoffs, and sports boycotts. Uh, But before we get into it, Let's introduce ourselves. My name is Muhammad, and I'll let my partner introduce himself. Oh, yeah, it's Alex. Uh, pretty much press the subscribe because, as I say before, sports are getting quite interesting on and off the court. Yeah, subscribe and run those listens up. Keep them coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but but today, we're well, the first subject that we're going to talk about is the sports boycotts. Um, but have to give a little bit of backstory. So on August 19th, 2020, Jacob Blake, an unarmed black man, was shot seven times by police in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Blake is still recovering, but the sports world took notice. On August 26th, the Milwaukee Bucks from the NBA decided to boycott their game five playoff game abruptly right before tip off. The rest of the playoff games on that day were boycotted, and the rest of the sports world followed the same act that day. It has been reported that players from other playoff teams in the NBA were planning to boycott together, but the Bucks decided to do it themselves. With the way the NBA boycott unfolded, do you think the Milwaukee Bucks went about it in the best way? Oh, yeah, definitely. Without notice... A statement that really kept uh, ESPN and many other networks on the hook on are they going to show up on the court? Uh, It's been word out here that they're going to boycott and simply seeing it and then it following pretty quickly after that with the other um, games and other sports. So, yeah, I definitely think they did it right. Okay. Um, I'm kind of on the middle uh, on on, in the middle with this. I'm not sure. I feel like they definitely put a lot of emotion into it and it did happen in the state where their uh, team is from. So they feel like they're closer to this. Um, But on the other hand, it just looked like it was not really planned. And a lot of the other players, they were taken back by just the sudden decision just to do this without uh, talking to the rest of the players, even though they had all kind of talked about doing this type of thing. The Bucks just did it all of a sudden. Um, but I think that great things came out of it, but I, I, I see, that's why I just go both ways, but I, I, I think it was a good result in the end. I don't think there really was anything else they could do, um, other than completely like really kind of making people a little mad on a low, but not mad, depending on what side of this, um, <laughs> Uh, social justice movement you're on uh, because I would have still I would have been upset if they would have said yo we're, we're just not gonna play anymore that was the only other option because any statement during the game doesn't really matter um, they were already making statements statements have already been all across the court statements after every uh, half statements after every game so there wasn't anything else they could do other than 
put a hold on the sports world, whether people followed them or not, which people ended up following them. So now I know there's people out there who said they didn't achieve anything because they reactivated it uh, within a day of saying that they're going to continue playing. But they they at least took steps and they made the whole world notice because this is all eyes are on the U.S. pretty much all the time. But when major sports do things like this and then other sports follow behind it, like soccer games that are in whole other countries, then you do see uh, that the moment that the movement is strong and that at least the people who are up front and might not have the power, but they they're seen to have the power, maybe asking the people behind the scenes with power to actually get justice. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely put a, a lot of people on notice. But do you think that this turned off any other watchers or p- people who just tune in just occasionally? Uh, Yeah, I do. I do. Um, But this is not supposed to be playing pity pad. This is this is like a social war. It is. It is what it is. And some of the biggest things that came from that pause was accountability. There is pure accountability that these players are going to require from these owners, and they are not about to budge. They they still are holding it over their heads that if they don't start making steps and things don't start to keep happening, that uh, they don't have no real power. I, I'll just tell you that. They don't have no real, real power. All they have a, a threat of real their real power is saying that we're not going to entertain you, which is the whole root of the problem, which is one reason why they don't play. You're saying that the players aren't going to entertain everybody else? Well, like, yeah, even the ones who are against the movement, because I think that's really what it's about. It's about the people who want to consume the sport and everything about them. Well, not everything, but the things that they want about them. And then they don't want it. They want to ignore everything else. That's what the real thing is, because the people who are on their side. I wouldn't say it doesn't matter, but it kind of doesn't matter because they're on their side. So it's about the people who simply choose to ignore that their lives outside of basketball does mean something. Yeah, I really appreciate the stand that they took and the thought that they took um, just to take a second out, just to think about somebody else rather than themselves. They, they could have just kept playing, not even thought about it, but it looked like it really uh, pulled on their heartstrings and they're very passionate about this. So I feel like they're going to keep taking steps to uh, make change and make these owners talk to even bigger people that they have um, good communication with and uh, try to get things in a better direction. But I think that this did turn off some people, but even before they even went into the bubble, um, it turned off some people because the NBA still has not done uh, the amount of ratings that they really want to. Um, and it's this is just really rough, ruffling some feathers. And I think that's a really good thing, though. Yeah, I agree. Like, um, I think it was Bill Russell's, uh, his statement was, keep getting into good trouble. Uh, I think that was, I think it was Bill Russell. I'm, I think I'm pretty sure on this one, but I know the quote is correct. Uh, keep getting into good trouble, uh, which is what these players are doing. And I, I really like, you know what I'm really, what crossed my mind uh, in the one or two days after the boycott was um, Michael Jordan's involvement. Michael Jordan's involvement has definitely stepped up ten, tenfold than what it's ever 
ever been. Uh, and he's been popular since the 90s, of course. Actually, the late 80s. But with all of that together, he is really stepping it up. He actually has the opportunity to become LeBron. Well, you know, on the court, LeBron's trying to become Jordan. Yeah. Um, from what I hear, yeah, Michael Jordan was one of the leaders in just getting the players to come back to playing and negotiating things. And now they have opened up um, their arenas for voting access. So we have better voting areas all across the uh, United States, mostly in those cities, but um, it helps. Um, yeah. But I, yeah. I, I guess I, well, I got one last you thing. have something else. Yeah, one last thing. So just to kind of say some of the things that they, other things that they, steps they did make, they had. Wait, wait, that's coming uh, up, though. That's oh, okay. Up. Sorry, go ahead. Okay, so, um, but this is going to go back to the whole boycott thing, but did you think the NBA season was going to be over at that point whenever they didn't play that game? Definitely no. I, <laughs> there, there was no way, bro. Like, but it's, it's something inside Every single one of those players on top of every single one of the people who cares about the moment, movement and does not care about the movement, that they, they did not want that to happen. Like, this is just a waste if that happens. If if even one of the top teams said they, they weren't going to play again or if they left the bubble, man, I was I was afraid of that. I was afraid of them. Somebody seriously, like one team or a couple of uh, players leaving the bubble and it simply being like. A, a, a wash after that point because you, then you have to kind of grip and grab people back into the situation, which was going to make it even hard for there to be a ending to a season, which is, just makes the whole thing a question mark. And I, I'm pretty sure everybody hated that that idea. Well, a lot of people hated that idea, but I don't know if you saw, but both LA teams voted not to continue with the season. Did you hear about that? Yes, I did. I did. And I think that was uh, I honestly think that was just a knee jerk reaction. They just want to show a strong uh, uh, movement towards the media. I think they was play pimping out here. They wasn't really real out here. But, hey, I can't really say what their intentions were. They, they've been inside, isolated inside a bubble with. No, Will just pointed out, no female companionship. Uh, they've been nowhere but in that bubble for like the past two months. So I can't really say whether they really weren't ready to end the season because throwing that on top of having family outside, uh, they might be fed up with being in the bubble. And that would push the decision towards really ending it. But I really think they were playing. They were not really playing, but like, you know, play pimping. Like, we got to threaten you hard enough for you take, to take it serious, but we don't really mean it. Like, you know how your parents well, uh, would say something like, uh, we're not taking you to a, a birthday party, but you know they already obligated to take you to that birthday party? You're still going, but you got, the threat got to be real. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say they were playing around, but I feel like they made that threat pretty seriously to the point, like, you know, we were just about to pack our bags because we have kind of checked out of this. But I, I think I that, they, yeah, they, they, oh. they, they did. They, they definitely did want to threaten to um, leave the bubble and end this whole thing. Um, I guess there was much more persuading by Michael Jordan and a lot of other people. You know, this gives us a, a, a bigger platform to speak on. So we need to continue to, to uh, play in the playoffs. 
If they were real, they would have did what Damian Lillard did, was leave the bubble. He, they had an extra game. He had some extra time to heal and everything. Nothing really against Damian Lillard because he had he had gotten hurt. But I think even the players that in, in the in the games after the restart, the ones who were already out of it, kind of just were ready to concede into the uh, losing the season and leaving the bubble. Well, the ones that knew that they had almost no chance, like Damian Lillard. I mean, he was already hurt. He's like, oh, I'm leaving. I'm gone. <laughs> so players like hurt. that, yeah, I, I see that. But um, we go, we can go ahead and move it on to the next subject. So since the NBA has come back from uh, the boycott, the NBA owners have promised that they would form a social justice co- coalition, work with city officials to convert all arenas into voting sites, and include advertising spots in each playoff game that will raise awareness for voter access and opportunity. So, do you like the NBA's current solution to satisfying the players after boycotting? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Okay. Like, I, even... I know it, it's... it's I, I pause here because... I, I'm not going to argue the point is, though, what side I would be on on this. But it kind of seems like, you know, like the Trump supporters would say that people are using the NBA to push one agenda because they're not saying a vote to vote for Trump. They're saying vote because we need the number for Biden. So it kind of seems one sided on this. I, I'm not saying put the support towards Trump. We are all no reason why. But. It, it just keeps it kind of convoluted because then it throws in these real these owners real uh, um, investments and uh, and it kind of forces their hand in a way that I'm not fully agreeing on. Now, when it comes to things outside of voting, okay, yes, but the voting, the stadium, I understand what they're trying to do, but I think that kind of mixes the waters to where the other side might have a debate. Do you mean people who want to vote Republican? Is that yes. what you're saying? Yes. Even though well, who, who think Republican or are or, or Republicans or the other stadium, uh, let's say other um, coaches, because everybody's not going to vote for Biden and everybody's not on. People are really aren't even confident in Biden and which is it sucks. It's just voting for the lesser evil at this point, the way a lot of people feel. And that's it's sad. Well, I don't think it's all about just voting for the Democratic Party. I think it's more of just like making these voting places more accessible and bigger. So it's not warding off people from trying to go vote and get out there, because a lot of these voting places are very small. Um, sometimes the conditions can be kind of harsh. And then we have this pandemic going on. There's more space in arenas than, let's say, your local park or small building area. They're making these um, arenas bigger places for voting access. I think that really helps a lot. Okay. I, I can't fight against that. I, I Maybe <laughs> there is a point there. No, maybe. But when I, I'm looking at the the owners and just things like that it's 
there's a growing rage for uh, the other side that I've kind of noticed on the low uh, that it's because they are feeling they're unfairly things are being tipped against them, even though, you know, Trump's out here, even the playing field every every step. But I, I don't know. I'm just you're right. You're definitely right. There's more space. There's better conditions. They can probably even promote better for people to come out there and actually possibly enjoy themselves on uh, doing that. But I, I think it's going to get real muddy very soon with these things, because I think these owners, some of these owners might put their foot in the mud about these things. For example, like the vote that happened about the owners who were against and for putting Black Lives Matter on the court. Okay. I mean, I didn't hear anything about a vote, but do you have any oh, other yeah, information? There well, there was, there was, it was an anonymous, anonymous vote, but uh, what's the um, commissioner of the NBA again, his name? Adam Silver. No. Silver. Yeah, I was about to say Roger Roger Goodell, and I knew that wasn't right. So Adam <laughs> Silver, I just knew I wasn't going to do that. But uh, Adam Silver said that there were some owners that were not in agreement when there was a vote. They were not in agreement on uh, putting Black Lives Matter matter on the court. So that would make me believe that it should. I would be think it would be more between two to three at minimum of the owners out there that did not agree with that. At a minimum. Okay. I mean, I like his transparency, but I don't think he should put that out there. That's no, he definitely should not divide. put that out. No, he wasn't putting it out there, but he, I think it was uh, in reference to like the uh, social, like how things are. And he was kind of trying to frame how people really felt about things. And we have a divided country. We're not all on our agreements. We still took the right steps, you know, something like that. But that was not smart because then it decides, like, who points out who is who. When we kind of know if we really wanted to break it down in a lot of ways. Actually, I think they did it on uh, Undisputed just Friday when they were kind of going over which owners might be some of the ones who didn't vote for it being that way. Okay, but I think that's just the theme of this year that people are just so divided, not knowing what's true and what's not true, um, especially with the pandemic, like who do you really trust? So that's been the overarching theme for this year. Um, But we'll move it along to the Los Angeles Lakers. So the Lakers finished off the Portland Trailblazers in five games. With the way the Lakers finished off the Blazers, are they peaking at the right time to contend for a championship? Um, I guess like I'm really still not <laughs> super confident confident in the Lakers. Like I don't know why I'm just not really confident in them. Um, now I would be confident if they were facing OKC in the next round, but I I'm kind of a I, I'm not sure what I'm going to get from them. I don't know why, but I, I guess it's because of how they've been within the bubble in the first part of the bubble they've been very inconsistent when they came back to the bubble and now they found their way once they lost game one but why did y'all have to lose game one to get there i i feel like they may put themselves in this situation where they keep trying to go up and down on their emotions and dealing with so many outside things that they really might get tripped up somewhere along the way with a team who's more focused when you say tripped up do you mean kicked out the playoffs 
Oh yeah, yeah, that's definitely yeah. Tripped okay. up as in they're really not focused, and that makes the difference between them uh, leaving and coming. It, it could be a, a Jr. situation. It could be it could be some. I could see some fluke something happening to be like, dang, like we really just weren't paying attention enough. Well, I think you should be a little bit more hyped than what you are. I mean, they they did play very well the past, I think, three games, both Anthony Davis and LeBron James. They came and showed up. They played very well. The rest of the team, they took care of business and blew out the Blazers most of those last few games. So I think they have a, a pretty good amount of momentum heading into the second round. Now, it looks like it could be the Rockets because they did just uh, win their game over the Thunder. So that's not going to be an easy matchup or an easy series. But I think you should be pretty confident in the Lakers. Um, I think at least making it to the uh, second round. I mean, not not second round, the Western Conference Finals. Because, I mean, I, I would like to see the Rockets make it to the finals. But as it's kind of been up and down with their series. I feel like they should have already taken care of OKC at this point. Um, they did have a pretty good game the last game, but um, I'm just not sure about them. Agree. I can agree. Um, I, I don't know. It just keeps seeming like with the Clippers, even though they're not together and things aren't particularly fitting absolutely well, they still win. And it's like <laughs> the Lakers have to focus and be prepared and be serious at the same time to win. And that, that scares me. <laughs> He's just saying it's not fair. <laughs> no, I'm not saying it's not fair. I'm just saying there's a, I can see the difference in how the Clippers still come out on the top of wins, even though they have not played well. And that's weird to say that you can win and still not play well. That's the dangerous part. They cannot play well clearly and have players clearly not play well and still win. And that's definitely not the case when it comes to uh, the Lakers. If AD don't show up, I think more than likely they're going to lose. If LeBron doesn't show up, there's a, there's a room for him to affect the game in a different way, but I could really see Kawhi and Paul George not coming through and the Clippers still winning some games. Yeah. They, they could have some mediocre games because they have, you know, Lou Williams and, Trez Harrell and a couple other players that can really step up and um, bring it through for them. So they, they have a lot of depth, but they might be flirting with the danger line too much to where they might get knocked out. I mean, we'll see. We'll see who they play in the second round, whether that be the Nuggets or the Jazz. But um, they might be floating around or flirting around with the danger line too much. Um, but final question about the NBA playoffs. Um, are we going to have uh, an all-L.A. Western Conference Finals? Oh, that's pretty simply easy, yes. Um, <laughs> like, I don't see much happening between them because uh, I know the Nuggets and the, uh, the Jazz have not ended, but who really cares out of those two? Either one is going to lose to the Clippers. And... I think it could possibly be a um, a six-game series when it comes to the Rockets, but I think that's at most it goes uh, with the Rockets. And 
so yeah, I definitely think it's going to be an all-LA Western Conference Finals. What about all that stuff you were just worried about before? Well, that still is worry compared to the Clippers. Okay. I mean, I was just talking about the Lakers by themselves at that point. But right, but you, um, I know the question was whether they're peaking at the right time because if that was their peak, they're peaking too early. Yeah. At this time, yeah, that would be too early. Um, but I feel like there could be some bumps in the road. Um, I don't think that oh, – well – if the Clippers play the Jazz, then I think that that will be a lot tougher than playing the Nuggets. Um, the Nuggets just—I don't know. I—I I, I just feel like they're just not a good. It's because they don't scare uh, you. Matchup. Yeah, no, not at all. But Donovan Mitchell—he just seems like a guy who's just gonna keep pushing the ball into the hoop at at by any means necessary, and he—he's just almost unstoppable. And they do have a pretty good rim protector in Rudy Gobert whenever he wants to show up. But um, I just feel like they would be a, a pretty good challenge, but not enough. Um, kind of like what we saw with them against the Mavericks. Um, but they'll they'll still come out on top. But I think that the Rockets could definitely put the Lakers, um, well, push them to a seven-game series. I, I think they could definitely do that. But they're going to have to be consistent. They can't be... Um, you know, just jacking up a whole bunch of threes and missing 90, 90% of them. So um, I think that that could probably be their best competition on the way to um, the Western Conference Finals. The only series I think that's going to go seven games between here in the Western and Eastern Conference Finals is the Celtics and the Raptors. And the way the Celtics handled the Raptors today, I don't know. Um, but I, I'll stick in confidence that they've been there uh, and that they might still win a couple of these games. So, I, I, no, I, I just don't feel there's going to be that many seven-game series. I think at most, at an absolute most, it is six with either one of the L.A. matchup matchups. And then you have Miami versus... Um, the Bucks, which I still, whichever way it plays out, it's not going to be seven. Okay. Um, I guess I could see it with the Bucks and the Heat. I'm not sure. Um, that's really a toss-up on who wins that. But um, I didn't really have too much else to say about that. Did you have anything else about the All-LA no, Western Conference? Okay. No, so not really. We're going to move it along to the NFL. And we're going to talk about the AFC Conference um and the winners or our picks for each division so the first division that we're going to talk about is the afc east which includes the new england patriots buffalo bills miami dolphins and new york jets so who is your pick to win the afc east afc east and just to kind of uh, quickly put it in the beginning the season does begin on september 10th correct muhammad Yes, that's right. That's with okay. uh, Kansas City Chiefs and Houston Texans. Of course, because that's yes, and this is why we are taking our picks uh, at this time because that's really not too far away. It's about within two weeks. Um, but for the AFC um, East, is that the East? You yes. Said? Okay, AFC East. Um, uh, I don't know how, but I think somehow Miami is going to sneak out. 
top of the division, but I, I can also still see the Patriots winning it. I, I can see Cam really coming back for that comeback player of the year. Okay, so wait, which one are you picking? <laughs> um, I'm really on a toss-up because I'm not sure what who they're starting and when. Um, <laughs> in my head, I said Man- Manta Teo, and I ain't even thought about that name in so long. What? What's your boy? Tua. Tua, I don't know whether they're going to be starting him at all this year or whether he's going to be like on the late end of this, the year when their season is trash. So if that's the case, then that Miami uh, pick is completely out the window. So at least for now, my confident pick is always going to be the Patriots. Okay. Um, I'm not going to be as confident for you. I mean, for this pick with um, the AFC East, as far as the New England Patriots, I mean, they've lost so many players just from the offseason. And then on top of that, they had a lot of players opt out, including a, a linebacker, Dante Hightower, which has been one of their main linebackers for years. And I'm not sure what impact linebacker that they have now, but um, they'll still be, you know, kind of good, um, but probably not good enough. I don't think the Patriots are really as sold on Cam Newton as you want them to be. Um, I think just recently he said that he doesn't feel like he's the starter. So um, even if he does start at some point, it won't be, it might not be the first game of the season. And I mean, it might be too late by the time the end of the season comes around. And um, I think I'm going to roll with the Buffalo Bills. They always come out with a pretty good defense. Um, They have a pretty good young quarterback coming up. He just got a few weapons over the offseason. And I think they're probably the most well-rounded team in that division. So I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills. I see. Um, Easy answer. Confidence in the Patriots as they've won it. How many years over and over and over and over again? It's just smart. So the last time that they lost was in 2008. Um, So, you know, 12 years. So smart money. So smart money on uh, the Patriots. (laughs) Over here hedging his bets. He's just not trying to jinx his own team. But the last time that they didn't make it, Tom Brady wasn't the quarterback. So, I mean, by that year, that division was very good. I mean, they... They got 11 games, but still ended up not going to the playoffs. But um, that's great, man. I guess we can move to the next one. So um, we're going to talk about the AFC North. And this division has. Wait, hold on. I'll put North in twice. Sorry. Um, yeah. So we're going to talk about the AFC North. And that includes the Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh Steelers. Cleveland Browns, and the Cincinnati Bengals. So who is your pick to win the AFC North? That's the Bengals, the Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh, and um, Browns, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, Oh, it's easy. I'm definitely with Baltimore. I know that's like an easy, confident answer, but... Yeah, I'm going with the easy, confident answer. Now, if you believe in this hope that uh, Roethlisberger is going to come back here and win comeback player of the year, as these people are weirdly predicting that, I think he's aged out like he's he should have already uh, retired. He needs to be with the clipboard like he was last year. But um, 
I'm easily going to say it's going to be the Baltimore Ravens, even though the Browns must make a change if they don't even if they don't end at least at number two within that division this year. I think the easy answer is the Ravens, and I am going to pick the Ravens, but I think the Steelers would definitely challenge them just like they did last year, even without Ben Roethlisberger. And I think that he's good enough for at least uh, two more wins and um, challenging the Ravens for that AFC North crown. So, um, but the, the Ravens will just edge out the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, and I think this is a tough division. I mean, you might not think so, but the Cleveland Browns, no, I they, think have, it is. They, they, they have a lot of talent, um, but they just never come through. Maybe this is their year. I don't know. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals, I think they have a pretty good team. All they really needed is the quarterback. And if he is what everybody thinks he is or want him wants, um, what's his name, Joe Burrow to be, then this team can be kind of dangerous. Now, they might have made a playoffs, but they'll definitely give you a run for their money. No, you. No, I definitely think this is a hard division. I, I just think that everybody can't be number one. And there's a lot of confidence that you can put behind every one of these teams. <clears throat> Sorry to say it to say it like that, but um, the Browns, they're supposed to be there. The Baltimore Ravens can end up second, and that's really still not a hurt. Um, but I, I just don't see I, I, somebody has to be in the last two spots. And <laughs> It just has to be. It is going to be what it's going to be. And somebody got to occupy that spot. I, I really don't, definitely don't, I almost will put money on that it's not the Baltimore Ravens in one of those last two spots. It could be the Steelers, it could be the Browns, and it could be the Bengals, but that's the only team I know and I really feel won't, will not be in the last two in that division. Yeah, I, I mean, you can pretty much put confidence in um, the, the Ravens as long as you know, he's still, I guess, you know how people say that this is just a gimmick. Hopefully, um, Lamar Jackson isn't that now. I don't think he is that. Oh, he ain't nowhere but, near but, but, you know, Sorry, yeah. uh, what, what's what's his name? It caught up to him. Um, Baker? From, no, not Baker Mayfield. Way before him. Um, RG3, whenever he oh, was playing. Yeah, things caught up to him. And he was not able to succeed as he did in his first season. But I think that Lamar You're Jackson all is a lot he on the same team. Yeah, but I mean, he's not. What is he doing now? A backup. But sure. that, that's that's it's all I'm saying. Check. Um, but I think the Ravens will still be uh, pretty good and be first in the in in the division. I agree. Um, talent wise, it goes Baltimore, Browns, possibly Bengals. But What's, that do you you think the Steelers have better talent around them? Yeah, especially on defense and their offense. I mean, they just need a competent quarterback. You might be. I was actually taking your word on the uh, fact that they got the whole team together but the quarterback. But I guess I'll I'll put them at number four. It's cool with me. (laughs) But that just loses less confidence in them and them being occupying any one of the two spots. That would really hurt any one of the other teams uh, for them to be in the top two spots for that division. Are you saying they had a competent quarterback last year? No, no, not at all. 
no, not not at all. No, I'm, I was saying that because you said they all they all they needed was a quarterback around them when it came to the Bengals. I was really just taking your word for it because I didn't really know their team like that, and that's why I put them above the Steelers. I think okay. the Steelers are kind of aged out in a way, and that's mostly because I'm thinking they're they're going to be backing Roethlisberger to be the head of their team in the situation, and there's no prolific playmakers as I. Uh, yeah, I would say there's no prolific game-changing players uh, on that team. That's the only reason why I was flip-flopping on those two. Well, I mean, I, I think there's probably a few on defense. I can't really think of their names right now. Maybe Minka Fitzpatrick, yeah. who came from the Dolphins. But um, they, their defense was great last year. Yeah, defense, but, you know, you still got to score points in that. I, I I'm, I'm judging it by offense in this case. I was definitely not judging it by defense. Um, completely. Well, all they by. need is a competent quarterback. That's all they need. He's and Ben Roethlisberger is a competent quarterback. Way better yeah. than Mason yeah, Rudolph. I agree, but I think the mechanics are going to break down after a while. But we, we can debate about that all day. <laughs> okay. All right. So I guess we'll move it along to the AFC South. And that division has the Houston Texans, Tennessee Titans, Jacksonville Jaguars and Indianapolis Colts. So, who is your pick to win the AFC South? I honestly don't know. Like, <laughs> you know, everybody's going to pick the Texans, but I think this is a really unpredictable division. I do not know. I don't know until I see them play out at least six games, every single one of them, because the Texans just lost a great receiver. Uh, they they may still have uh, just Deshaun Watson, but they may be hurt enough to end up in one of those last two spots. I, like I really don't know who to pick out of this, so I'm gonna just go with what everybody else would go with, which is the Texans. Okay, um, I can see that, but I think the Texans have probably lost too much to overcome this, um, and they have an incompetent GM and coach. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is the same person, but <laughs> he's he's terrible, and they really they just need to fire him. I don't know why they gave him more power, but I'm gonna go with the Tennessee Titans because they seem like they have the most well-rounded team. Um, they have Derrick Henry, great running back, great offensive line, um, above-average defense, and a really good coach. And I think that that they're gonna ride off of that momentum that they had last year. Now, they probably won't make it as far as they did last year, but I think that they'll be good enough to win the division. Um, Jacksonville, they're not really going to be good. The Colts, they did get Phillip Rivers, but, you know, he's, I mean, he's a turnover machine. Um, maybe, That's not going to do nothing for them. <laughs> yeah, maybe they'll fix that. I don't know. Um, we'll see. It is a one-year deal, but I have the most confidence in the Tennessee Titans. I can see that. I respect that analysis. Um, but I think it's hard to du- duplicate success, uh, especially with teams who got further than where they were supposed to be the, the previous year. Uh, you've seen it with multiple teams. Um, let's say two to three years back with the Jackson Jaguars. It was just out of nowhere. It had amazing defense. It was so much hype around them the next following year, and they just fell off the map. Um I've just seen it with different teams. It's hard to duplicate success unless you're the Patriots. Well, I don't think they're going to duplicate 
much of any success. I, I don't even think they're going to make it as hard as they did last year. I just think that they're the most well-rounded team, and somebody's got to win, and they'll they will be that team. Yeah, I can. I, that's why I respect that analysis. I can really <laughs> do. Like, I'm just going with the easier. So, like, I and that's the only reason why I would even go against the Tennessee Titans is just because everything's a crapshoot. Um, you you see it with betters all the time. We they bet off logic all the time, and the NBA and these games always play out differently. So I'm just accounting for the oddball situation that tends to happen in everybody's uh, analysis for games that just doesn't play that way. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, but I guess we can move it along to the last division in the AFC, which is the AFC West. So that includes the Kansas City Chiefs, Denver Broncos, uh, Las Vegas Raiders, and the Los Angeles Chargers. So who is your pick to win the AFC West? Los Angeles Raiders. I have no reason other than their black uh, I mean, Las Vegas? Yes, Las, sorry, the Las Vegas Raiders. That's the only the only reason why I'm repping for it right now. Them jerseys are amazing, and that stadium is amazing. So, other than that, I really don't have I don't have enough analysis to tell you any of those teams could win. I I just don't know. <laughs> like it's, I think things are up in the air due to the coronavirus, and it's been a long time since these seasons have been about, and there's no. No training camp really uh, being broadcast. There's no really preseason to kind of draw for, from. So right now, I'm really stuck at a, just picking by favoritism. Well, did you forget that the Kansas City Chiefs are in this division? Oh, sorry. Sorry about that. I was forgetting. I was uh, clearly forgetting that <laughs> it is it's the Chiefs. <laughs> I'm clearly forgetting it was the Chiefs. I forget. I just heard Raiders and was ready to go there. But, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's definitely the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely the Chiefs. Um, they have a great offensive-minded coach. Um, they have a lot of hype just coming off of their Super Bowl win. Um, they have a great up-and-coming up quarterback. Um, he's already won a Super Bowl league MVP, a Super Bowl MVP. Um, we're just looking to see how many he can get at this point. And a 10-year contract. I'm yeah, sorry. huge contract. Um, and they have all of the same pieces from last year uh, for the most part and probably an even better running back. Um, so they definitely have to be the number one pick. But I think the team that will probably challenge them the most is probably the Denver Broncos. Um, they did upgrade at uh, wide receiver, got um, the receiver from Alabama, Jerry Judy. And I think he was the number one receiver going into the draft. Um, so they got him. Um, they got Melvin Gordon from the the Chargers. And they've always had a pretty competent defense with Von Miller. So they'll be the biggest challenge. But the Chiefs will definitely win this division. Yeah, definitely. Completely. Right. Like, that's it. <laughs> they might win no more analysis. Yeah, there's really no more analysis needed for that one. Okay. Um, well, uh, that, that's really all the questions I had. Um, was there any other things that you wanted to talk about? Um, no, not really. Let me... I'm trying to think of any other subject out there. Well, I mean, if not, we can go ahead and end it. Um, uh... Because I need to do the question, but I want to make sure we 
cover anything. I know the Earl Thomas thing might not be. Is, re- yeah, be I was really. looking at that. I was like, <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. I started looking on every website. Um, I don't think it really matters, but it was saying that uh, Kawhi tried to recruit Jimmy Butler uh, to the Clippers. I think we already discussed that though. Yeah, we we kind of did. He says okay. last time, I think. Uh, but all right, so I guess I'll just go ahead and end it. So, um, but that was the last question for us on so you think you know sports. Um, now we will do the trivia. Alex comes up with the trivia. I don't know the questions at all. Um, I'll try to give you a little bit of commentary on the questions. Um, it's three questions, but you can go ahead and go with that first question, Alex. A question one. Who was named the MVP for Super Bowl number one? A, Joe Namath. B, Bart Starr. C, Lynn Dawson. Okay. Um, I don't know who Lynn Dawson is. Um, I've heard of Bart Starr. I can't remember exactly what team he's played for, um, but he's one of those old, great quarterbacks. And then Broadway Joe, everybody knows him, played for the New York Jets, won a Super Bowl for them. Um, but you can go ahead and ask that question one more time, and then I'll give out my answer. Gotcha. Okay. So who was named MVP of Super Bowl number one? A, Joe Namath. B, Bart Starr. C, Lynn Dawson. I'm going to have to and go think- with Broadway. Go ahead. Sorry, and I think uh, I'm pretty sure Dawson was the running back, but go ahead. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to go with Broadway Joe. He won uh, Super Bowl for the New York Jets and won the MVP. Incorrect. Bart Ooh. Starr. Bart, Bart Starr was the MVP of Super Bowl you know number what? one. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't even think about it, but they probably weren't even in that first Super Bowl. Was it like the Chiefs and Packers or somebody? Um. I cannot. I think Bart Starr played for either the Steelers or the Cowboys, but I can't remember. Right I think it was now. the Cowboys. Uh-huh. I think he won on the Cowboys. Number two, how many times have the Super Bowl been tied at halftime? A, one time. B, three times. C, five times. Well, um, very specific. <laughs> really not sure. Um, really, the only one that I can think of off of the top of my head is um, the Patriots whenever they went up against the Seahawks. That was 14-14 at halftime. Um, it could have been another time, but man, that's just hard to think of. How many times has the Super Bowl been tied at halftime? A, one time. B, three times. C, five times. Okay, so I did name one. um, And I feel like at that time, I don't think that that was just the first time that that, that's ever happened. Um, I'm going to go with the middle number. I'm going to go with three. Correct. That is correct. Only three have have been tied. And let me... uh, uh, let me put it up. I know Patri- you're correct on the Patriots. Um, I'm trying to pull up exactly which ones the uh, Super Bowls were, but it was three. 
Okay. Three at three at halftime. You're correct. So question three. So which player has won the most Super Bowl MVP awards? A. Joe Montana. B. Tom Brady. Or C. Terry Bradshaw. Okay. Uh, you know, all great historical quarterbacks. One yet to get into the Hall of Fame. Um, from what I know, uh, Terry Bradshaw. He's never been looked at as the greatest quarterback, even though he's won, I think, four Super Bowls or something like that. And he he was just not the focus of the team. So I don't think he ever won any Super Bowl MVPs. Um, Tom Brady has, has had uh, four from, you know, against the – which one was it? Um, the Seahawks Super Bowl um, and a few of the, uh, the earlier ones um, – and along with the Atlanta one. Um, so he has four. And Joe Montana, I'm pretty sure he has three because Jerry Rice took one of those. But um, I'm not going to get my final answer yet. But you can go ahead and ask the question again. So which player has won the most MVP Super Bowl MVP awards? A, Joe Montana. B, Tom Brady. Or C, Terry Bradshaw. I'm going to go pretty confidently, Tom Brady. You're, you are correct. I didn't want to make it too hard, but Tom Brady has four. <laughs> uh, Joe Montana has three. And Bart Starr, Terry Bradshaw, Eli Manning all have two. They both have wait, two. Where, wait, where did they come from? <laughs> I'm just throwing, you know, Bart Starr was in the first question. Terry Bradshaw was in the question. Okay. I was like, just, Wait a just, <laughs> just throwing them in there because they have two also. Okay, cool. Um, some good questions. Uh, two but, out of three. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I think I did kind of good this time. I, I should have got that first one right. I, I was pretty confident in that one. But um, that's it for us at So You Think You Know Sports. See you next week.